David Nusser and Real Film Review hailed this week's movie as a near flawless piece of work. Time out critic Jeff Andrew Rave, this is what a monster movie is supposed to be like, and it's terrific. And according to Vincent Canby of the New York Times, it looks like the sort of movie that might have been put together so that tourists visiting Universal Studios could see a movie being made. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of Tremors. Sequel. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. It's Rune Childhood. Greetings, Graboid Fighters. Graboid Fighters. Oh, wow, we're jumping right in, right? Well, what else are we supposed to do here? (laughs) So then, John, what's shaking? Oh, you know, this and that. I watched Tremors recently. It was cool, and I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. You know, John, before we do, first of uh-huh. all, um, you know, just want to welcome anyone who's listening. And uh, just in case this is this is your first your first time listening to us, uh, just to give you a sense of what we do, we te- we talk about movies such as Tremors, that have a, a fan base, that have a cult built around them. This movie is cult. the definition of cult classic. It pretty much is, but, uh, you know, and also, but also movies like Tremors that have franchises built around them, whether those are big, big screen franchises or direct-to-video franchises, franchises nonetheless. And we kind of, we throw in our... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll say my two cents, John's two cents, our our collective four cents to share what our ideas are about that this property and what the its future could possibly be. Where could it go in terms of sequels, prequels, reboots, remakes, Broadway musicals? Why, why Broadway series. music? Why does it have to go straight to Broadway? It does not have to go straight to... I meant in the style of a Broadway musical. It, some people just think of musicals as Broadway musicals. You know? John, well, not everybody is from the New York area and well, is familiar ha- with the off-Broadway. Off well, how about, how about this? Broadway. How about this? But that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm saying like... Such a coastal elite. <laughs> what, I'm sa- what I'm saying is... And I will use this as an example because we've already talked about this property. But maybe one idea could be a speed to cruise control live performance on cruise ships. If you really want to scare the pants off of people. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you get UB40 to play. You get whichever touring UB40 is is cheaper. Look, Dan, there are enough members of UB40 that I'm sure one of them is available to play the steel drums on a cruise ship for a few months. <laughs> okay. All right. Before you go too far in knocking my favorite British reggae band. Look, Dan, um, I'm just speaking the truth. That is all. So speaking of truth, I wanted to go back to School Ties for a moment. So our last That's episode. our last episode. 
our last episodes, I, and I just I had a couple of thoughts that I felt were worth coming back to, and I'll give everyone context. So yes, this is John. A, this, this is a segment of the show that I would like to call. Oh, and one more thing. <laughs> Can we just call them tangents? No, because I have them too. Oh. Come on. Okay. Oh, and yeah, yeah. The one more thing. Oh, yes. Oh, the and one more thing. Yes, the one more thing as to last week's or the last episode. Uh, so anyway, back to school ties. First of all, I just needed to point out that uh, Matt Damon, I, within the last few years, he's definitely done a few interesting movies, and one of them was called Downsizing. Which also featured Margot Martindale. Did it who really? Was in Lorenzo's Oil. Yes. Did it really? Yes, I, uh, I had it on. I did not I, watch Downsizing. Oh, you watched did, it. You saw I, it happen. I didn't see the whole thing. I didn't see the whole thing. I watched it. I was just, I, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to throw something on for a little bit. And I think I had started watching it several months ago and was kind of like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for this right now. And then mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, let me check in with this. There's, hey, what do you know? Margot Martindale. And. So, yes, and as John and I often try to do, we try to connect cast members of the films we're discussing with cast members of the 1992 drama Lorenzo's Oil. Speaking of Lorenzo's Oil, I <laughs> Lo, Jason Bateman plays the character Lorenzo Zoil in the movie Paul, and... Have you seen or heard anything about the new show that uh, not only features Jason Bateman, but is uh, at least the first couple episodes directed by Jason Bateman? It's on HBO called The Outsider. It looks very interesting. I haven't watched it yet. I checked out the first two episodes because those are that's what's out at the time that we've recorded this. And uh, it's pretty like there are things about it that I don't necessarily love. It's almost kind of like. Uh, supernatural Bosch, I, okay. which is interesting because you and I, right before recording, <laughs> we're talking about Bosch, but it reminds me of like a supernatural Bosch. And, uh, it, you know, I don't necessarily love all of like, you know, the dialogue and things like that, but it is certainly an intriguing program. And uh, I, I'm interested in, in seeing what happens. Anyway. I will check it out when the opportunity arises. But and then one more, just one more thing about school okay. ties. Uh, so when we discuss school ties, we had both discussed possibly a school ties episodic series. Yours was more uh, docu docu series. Mm-hmm. Mine was scripted, and we didn't really discuss you know the creative minds and producers, at, but who we would guess, but or who we would want. And it occurred to me, I was like, man, the perfect person to bring school ties to the, you know, to, to television, to episodic television would be Jason Kadams or Jason Kadams, hmm. the showrunner who he did Friday Night Lights and right. Parenthood. Parenthood. Both very, so along with uh, Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Imagine Entertainment. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but I also have four words for you. Executive producer Dick Wolf. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, and for the for those who uh, didn't listen to the last episode, Dick Wolf wrote 
school ties based on his own experiences. So it it's not like a, it's like law and order because it's not. No, very little law and order. Ooh, interesting. Matthews. It's more of an honor code than a law. <laughs> so, all right. So that's, so that's our... <laughs> That's, that's all, all but one to, more thing. That's all I have to say about school ties. John, uh, what, anything new? Any any more recent releases? Oh, we, we have to talk about the Academy Award nominations. Uh, sure. I guess we don't have to. There's no there's no honor code or law or rule that says No one's to, making but... us do it. I'm just going to pull them up right now for myself. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them. So uh, what were your general thoughts? Okay, so my general thoughts are, first of all, I'm going to get this out of the way because I went to see Little Women the other day. Oh, and mm-hmm. just I think enjoyed, I agree with every, what you're about to say. Enjoyed it. I, I just so thoroughly enjoyed it uh, on so many levels. My wife, who it wasn't on her radar at all, and you know, we walked out of the theater and she said, you know, this is not something that I would have picked to go see in the theater, but I'm so glad we went. And yeah, it, the, the performances, I'm so happy that Florence Pugh got nominated. Yeah. Uh, the Shayor Zoronin. She was so great. I, Sarah Shayor Zoronin. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, but she's phenomenal. It's it's kind of like, it's it was almost a given she was going to be nominated. She's great. She's consistently great. And and I know I'm at this point, you know, I, the 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 latest in a series of echoes of this, but very disappointed to not see Greta Gerwig nominated as as best director. And I say this, uh, yes, because the direction is phenomenal. I mean, this movie deserves. See, I was so happy I saw it on a big screen because the cinematography is beautiful. And it, the, the, I'm so happy she was nominated for her screenplay because not that I right. have read, I'll admit to not having read the novel, but you could feel that voice. You and right, it. I as I've, I've said already... before, and I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, where it's like, yes, it does not take place in present day, but it feels very current. The voice is well; it shows you how that. It, it, it that story really provides a vehicle for for that voice and mm-hmm. it's such a sad it, it it almost tells me like that the voters didn't get it in in not directing in not nominating her but i or I they didn't give it a chance bit, well i want to go just, a little bit or they didn't even watch it well or they just wrote it off as like oh this is you know anyone could could direct this but i mean like Honestly, Ang Lee got nominated for Sense and Sensibility, mm-hmm. and I I felt like th- this was a movie that Alicia compared it to. She said, you know, it felt like Sense and Sensibility, like Pride and Prejudice, like those like those really like great you know cinematic dramas. Uh, the the Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley is the one that I think mm-hmm. she was referring to, but it I think that just. Uh, her voice, Greta Gerwig's voice, was so present in it, the same way that it was with Lady Bird. And for her not to be nominated, and this is where I, I it makes me, I, 
almost sad to say this because I'm such a a fan of both of these filmmakers, but I don't believe that either Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino deserved to be there more than she did. Right. And I'm sure that there's another director that I'm not another filmmaker that I'm not thinking of that you could also add to to that list and say they deserve to be there because I watched The Irishman. I loved The Irishman. Or I I shouldn't say I loved The Irishman. I really liked The Irishman. Uh-huh. But it was also I I and did I I think I I said this I think I've said this before. I don't remember if I've said it on the podcast or just to you, but it it's kind of like going to see a Rolling Stones concert in 2020. Like you're going you're seeing the Stones. Like there's Keith Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, they are You're right, there to see Charlie them Watts. play the right hits. in front of you. They're doing and they're doing their thing. They're doing yeah. their thing. But you know that if that that had you gone to see them do their thing in 1975, 1980, 1985, even 1990, it would have been a whole lot more. Yeah. Like, there would have been a whole lot more there. And let's face it, after three and a half hours, everybody's exhausted. Right. Yes. And, I mean, all due, like, you know, credit to Scorsese, to to De Niro, to everyone in that cast, to everyone who worked on that film, it... It, yeah, I'm not gonna say it doesn't feel long because it's three and a half hours, but it's interesting. I just felt with with that, my question was, why did this story need to be told? Right. Why was it so important that it be told in this way? I love. I mean, don't get me. I appreciate it. I'm such a fan of the of all of those people and their bodies of work that I, I don't mind. I say thank you. I say thank you, Netflix. Thank you, Martin Scorsese, for having Al Pacino play Jimmy Hoffa. Even though I kind of kept thinking, like, man, I, I I really, I I really thought it was like I really felt. I, why did he get nominated? <laughs> it was <laughs> I. Well, okay. I felt watching. Uh, <laughs> Al Pacino played Jimmy Hoffa. I was just like, I can't get out of my mind that this is just Al Pacino playing Jimmy Hoffa. He is essentially the same character that he played in Dick Tracy, except yes. more ridiculous looking. Yes, the the courtroom scene. The oh, courtroom yeah. scene was so. <laughs> yes, I was thinking that. It Big felt boy, very. Caprice. It felt very silly. It seemed to me like. They were putting such a big emphasis on the de-aging that they didn't stop to ask, why are we doing this in the first place? Right. And I don't know. Why couldn't this have been done with a... Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. All I was going to say is that, like, it's a story that I didn't really care to know. Or if if I wanted to see a movie about that, then I certainly didn't have to be watching it for such a long time. And, and if, I'm the kind of and I'm the kind of person who believes that uh, a longer movie just means more for your money. And, oh, 
<laughs> not all the time, but uh, I don't necessarily uh, yeah. believe in the 90 minutes, the 90 minute rule also, but three and a half hours was just a little gratuitous for something that could have been done in a lot less time. If you're going over two hours and 15 minutes, I, 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 there needs to be a, a reason. Yeah. There, like I need to, we can't have this, uh, Lord of the Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, with like you know oh okay all right that must be the ending this oh no never mind if it's a movie is going. over two hours and 15 minutes it better end with the following five words directed by paul thomas anderson <laughs> true paul thomas anderson does know how to uh make you feel like the the long running time is no time on wasted. a pretty consistent basis yeah, yeah. no time well and and also point of reference punch trunk love not very long, so it shows he doesn't uh-huh. draw the draw it out if it does. But back to the Oscar nominations because Paul Thomas Anderson d- didn't have a horse in the race this year. Correct. But I so from what I so and I haven't seen everything. I have seen admittedly very few. I very much would like to see Parasite. I I don't know when I'm going to have the opportunity to do that. It's a trip, man. I really want it's to see wild. that. I really want to watch the two popes. So I'm grateful that that's pretty that that is at my disposal right and i you know once upon a time in hollywood i i liked it i had some issues with it uh there's a piece up on 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 my blog that uh we have linked we'll have linked in the episode description Uh about my disappointments with it so okay. that's why I, f- I felt a little bit like Tarantino didn't deserve to be there as much as as other filmmakers. So and I love Quentin Tarantino. I'm the biggest like Quentin Tarantino apologist. This is true. And yeah, so it's. I love that Quentin Tarantino is nominated. I just it's like if Quentin Tarantino wins Best Director this year, it's, I'm gonna feel like I did with The Departed when I was like, uh, I'm glad Scorsese got Best Director, but I wish he had gotten it for something else. Right. I, You know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I really enjoyed. I think about it a lot. And when you go back and look at past years and to see movies, whether it's Best Picture or Best Director, and you see that something won that like no one's talking about anymore, and then you see some of the other nominees that people are still talking about, you're just like, yeah. that's exactly why that should have won instead, because we're still talking about it. And I think that right. something like Parasite is going to be something people are going to still be talking about and comparing things to. And mm-hmm. I think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, as is with most Tarantino films, people are going to be still talking about it. But people are still talking about Inglorious Bastards or Django, you know, or especially Pulp Fiction. You know, people are constantly bringing these up and they will be for a very long time. I don't think that people are going to be talking about The Irishman for much longer. Um, no. Just looking at the Best Picture nominees, no one's going to be talking about Ford versus Ferrari on, you know, February 15th. You know, it's like, it's going to be in the past before you know it. Ford vs. Ferrari was enjoyable. I liked it, but it's not a best picture movie. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, I think, is one that people are going to be talking about. Um, 
Joker, people are going to be talking about just because it's a property that people bring up over and over again. And there's going to be another Joker at some point. People are going to be comparing them to Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, uh, if if I if I may for a moment, sorry, you brought sure. up Jojo Rabbit, and which I haven't seen it yet, but just from what I have seen of it, there's another director who maybe deserves to be up on that best director list. I absolutely. And last night I watched Hunt for the Wilder People, which I hadn't seen before. And that oh, is I a haven't delightful, seen it either. It's on Hulu. It is a yeah. delightful movie. I cried at the end, uh-huh. and it's a simple movie a simple story with i mean sam neill and then like a pretty much unknown kid and they're amazing right Right. it's incredible um so yeah taika waititi should absolutely be up there for directing now you brought up joker now we're we're Mm -hmm. stopping on joker there and i think there's a lot of people who have been saying like, all right, Joker's getting a little much, but as you're saying, it's a movie that we'll be talking about and it, it could be the new kind of standard for the performances. Uh, I don't think so. Jokers. I don't think so because Heath Ledger made such a big impact with his Joker in a, in a movie that people, you know, hold in, you know, high esteem. Yes. And Joker, yes, it's nominated for Best Picture, but it's really not that special. And here's where I, I, I maybe I need to see it again. And well, it's kind of like name any other character in that movie that's not like him or like Thomas Wayne. There's, but that's. That's the thing, though, is it's very much a, a as a portrayal of someone with mental illness who's not. I, and I also, yep, you, you have to remember, I saw this movie like the day after I was in a mental health first aid workshop. Of like, course, all day long. So, and as I sat there and watched the movie, I was like, Oh yeah. I'm like, yes, these are all the warning signs. I think that every thing that's good about that movie is because of Joaquin Phoenix and it is, and all the things that are good in the movie are good. Uh, despite Todd Phillips, because I've seen interviews with him and I'm like, that man doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know the movie that he's made. There it's are some un- things that really made me question whether it came together in editing or if it really is just the strength of Joaquin Phoenix's performance. You know, that's unfortunate because I really did feel like I, I, he exceeded my expectations and surprised me as... Uh, the art of it surprised me. And then when you when you bring up the, did it come together in editing? And I think about the movie and I'm like, you know, ah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, right. Well, I, I saw this one interview piece with him where he's talking about the first scene. I know we're not talking about Tremors yet. We'll get to that soon. Uh, mm-hmm. When I, yeah, I saw this interview with Todd Phillips and he's talking about one of the first scenes in the movie where... Um, He's beaten in an alley by a bunch of like teens or whatever. And he's commenting on the flower on the lapel and how Mm -hmm. he's like 
crouching on the ground in pain, and then the water comes out of the flower on the lapel. And he says, you know, that's just because no matter what, he just wants to be having a good time and showing people a good time. And I'm like, that's not what that is at all. That's, you know, the artificial fun that he's putting on, like completely depleting itself of everything because he's just been beaten yeah. to a pulp. Yeah. Like, it's everything it, being, it's him being so, beaten so badly that even this artificial flower is, is, yeah, and... is, is giving up on him essentially. Oh, and it's man. like, See, and this is I saw why that I and I was interviews. just, <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, this man doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, and then also just real quick, uh, and then we'll get to tremors, just going down the list of, um, you know, best feature, uh, yeah. little women. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. I wish that it was nominated for, uh, directing for Greta Gerwig because it's not going to win best picture. Yeah. Uh, as enjoyable as it was, that's just not the kind of movie it is. And in terms of something that people are going to talk about for a long time, you know, I don't think it's necessarily one that's going to be talked about as much as some other movies, like Parasite. Um, then we've got Marriage Story, which I think that it will stand the test of time, but for not for the reasons of it being the best movie of the year, mm-hmm. but for Adam Driver's performance or for the memes that it has spawned. You know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, 1917 is the only word I use to describe it, a triumph. But do I think what? it's... <laughs> I never use that word, triumph. John Richardson of Rune Childhoods raised 1917 is a triumph. It I is, haven't seen it yet, but it is man, a, I really... It uh, is a filmmaking marvel. It is a, a astonishing to watch it. And it is a really fascinating story. Um... I think that had Birdman not been a like kind of like continuous shot type of thing, then this oh, would yeah. be talked to, talked about a lot more. I mean, it won the Golden Globe, and I think that that was fine, but I don't necessarily think it's the best of the best. I'm glad that people are noticing it and recognizing it for being such a phenomenal film to watch, but I don't think that it's going to stand the test of time so much. So, so here's two things because I haven't necessarily seen the movie, but a statement and a question. First of all, really, it it's we have there's a lot of war movies. War movies are it's a genre that there will always be more war movies. There are more movies about some some wars than others, and. I think especially kind of in the wake of Dunkirk and mm-hmm. The Darkest Hour. Which are World essentially War- uh, the same, Well, should be watched well, simultaneously. <laughs> well, tr- yeah. yeah like the not, one this is, is uh, not two years ago. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah, no. So, but you don't get a lot of representation of World War One. Which is because World War, because America really was in World War One for a cup of coffee, like mm-hmm. yeah. America, you know, like America kind of gave out a lot of warnings first, and then they're just like, okay, here we're on our way. Like here I come in, and it's it's, and then they come in, and 
and you know end the war so 1970 so world war one isn't a movie or is about a war that we don't have a lot of cinema about. And right. my question mm-hmm. is now you said that you don't think it would still stand the test of time. I feel I, like I we- mean that in the sense of like when people are going through the lists of, of great movies, I don't think that it's going to come up on anybody's like, you know, 2030 best of the decade list. But in terms of although war I guess films, no, this is part of the last decade. Anyway, going on. In terms war of films. war films, mm-hmm. I guess like where does it? Because certain war films have stood the t- like I think Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, are those yeah. big war films that have stood the test of time mm-hmm. and that are still talked about and seen. There are others that have not. Like, I guess Platoon, yes, but Platoon, I would say less people would understand references to Platoon than Full Metal Jacket, and Platoon was a Best Picture winner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that it's really a matter of, like, every year, more movies are made, and then there are more movies throughout history, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just how it works very astute observation you know what but it's worth movies are made and movies are made every day right and it's not like one one is made one of them disappears from the past like we're just collecting more and more and more and at the time that like those movies that you mentioned were made you know there wasn't as much being produced there wasn't as much in the back catalog, you know, uh. the, it's like, um, almost like for every movie that's made one year, the next year, 10 more are made. And it's just like, it's easier, it's cheaper and there are more studios and there are more distribution companies and there are more platforms because of streaming services and things like that. So it's, it's kind of a different game than it was when something like Full Metal Jacket or Platoon came out. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's a weird thing to really think about, but it's you have to consider that when you're talking about what then is the best movie of the next year because it's not necessarily that we're just talking about like, oh, well, this one year, Frozen in Time... Yes, that's what this is the best movie for. But there's going to be all the movies in the past that it has to live up to as well. What's up? Sorry, you mentioned Frozen, so I got to call <laughs> some BS here on Frozen 2 not getting a nomination for Best Animated Feature. Now, disclaimer, I have not seen the other movies that are nominated for Best Animated Feature, but I saw Frozen 2 and... I thought it was so entertaining and and good and had uh, such a better story uh, for me a more engaging story than the original. So I I I'm gonna call that one out too as kind of a snub is is no uh, no Frozen two nomination. I I disagree and I will and. Looking at the not the other nominees, I can't say too much because I haven't seen Klaus or I haven't seen. Uh, I mean, I've seen Missing Link, 
uh, I didn't see Toy Story 3 or I Lost My Body or How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. But I think that what it has to do with is the fact that Frozen, the original, had such a huge cultural impact that how can you how can you live up to that? How can you but we're not you don't get the Academy Award. I mean, you shouldn't get the Academy Award for best cultural biggest cultural we're not gonna like not give frozen like does frozen 2 not get a nomination because it was not like the the global sensation that frozen was well okay putting your mind in and it is a global sensation it made a ton of money frozen 2 still going frozen 2 right but people are still going to be singing let it go you know in five years and I don't think that they're going to be singing any of the songs from from this one. Uh, I, I I don't know, man. At like in my house, into the unknown is yeah, maybe like, in your house, but yeah, you have to also think about what Academy voters are considering. And I'll just I'm just going to tell you, you don't have to have seen Frozen to know about Let It Go. Or, you know, it's just it's just been out there. So what I'm saying is I think that had Frozen 2 come out first, which I know is impossible because you need the one for the other. But if like those songs came first, then maybe they would have been would have made more of an impact. Maybe they would be more memorable for people aside from you. But I, I, I just I, but it, to me, it's just it's it's also like, I didn't think it was very good, but that's, you know, oh, well, a whole other thing. Yeah, I, re- I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. Tremors. Really like Frozen too. Tremors. <laughs> Tremors. Wow. The, yeah, there we go. There's a segue. So I am going to make a note in the episode description for the time that we start talking about Tremors, in case anyone was going to skip through that. I probably should have mentioned that at the beginning of this uh, Academy Award talk, but sorry, I didn't. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, we're a movie podcast. It, it's the Academy Award nominations. So we are, let's see, what's today? Today's, okay, we are right at the 30th anniversary of the release of Tremors. We sure are. We didn't plan this. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Did not realize this until looking and, at IMDb earlier this evening. <laughs> and honestly, pretty much the first anniversary of this podcast. So here we yeah, go. Yeah, just about. Just, just about. about. So uh, yeah, Tremors, January, ni- was it 19th? 1990? Yeah, January 19th, 1990. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It uh, it's it's a very simple, pretty low budget movie. <laughs> Takes place in Perfection, Nevada. This <laughs> extremely tiny—I don't even know if you could call it a town, but little like a settlement, settlement, middle of <laughs> nowhere settlement with a population, population of what fourteen or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And um, famously starring uh, Kevin Bacon, and yeah. um, and and less famously starring Fred Ward, uh, featuring Michael Gross and 
Reba McIntyre, which I didn't realize until I started watching it. And yeah. boy, oh boy, was she a delight. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's the story of uh, Kevin Bacon, who plays Val, and Fred Ward, who plays Earl. And they are two, like, handymen in this little se- settlement. And I don't know, I don't understand how anybody there makes money because they're just kind of passing things along between the like dozen or so of them that live there. It's a barter. It's a commune. Pretty much. Um, (laughs) There is uh, the Walter Chang's little grocery (laughs) store uh, played by Victor Wong, which is a truly bizarre character and store. The one, the one character who we get an explanation as to why they're there is Michael Gross's character, Bert Gummer. Right. Who, who is the only one that I think has been in all of the sequels. Except for probably yeah. the fourth, because that one is a prequel. Is a prequel. Except right. I think he plays his ancestor. I think they'd go like back oh, does to he the really? future. And Man, he's Michael like, Gross you know, just loves that Tremors money. Michael Gross is fantastic in Tremors. So, yeah, but totally. yeah, he he and he and his wife uh, Reba McIntyre they they're survivalists. Uh, you know, oh, the yeah. ultimate libertarian. Uh, Absolutely, survivalists. They they have a whole off bunker the grid and, bunker, a wall of guns. It's nuts. They're like you know we're surrounded by preppers. mountains. They're we're surrounded by mountains on one side. Uh, a canyon, canyon on the other side. Yeah. They're they're extremely wary of government surveillance. So Yeah, it's it, really fascinating. The perfect person to have if you're going to be dealing with graboids. into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? The other characters that we see are Rondo, who is a college student who's there to do like a geological survey and is testing seismic activity, conveniently so, because that is super helpful. Great timing. It senses seismic vibration. It can hear every move we make, especially on this rock. It's a perfect conductor. That means we're stuck. That pisses me off. They always have... I right. Think the way that they set it up is that there's always a college intern who's out there doing that yeah. because it's Nevada. 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 Sorry. I, I have a student at school who is from Nevada, and she, the very like first week of school, was talking about how she's like, no, it's Nevada. I was like, okay, it is. And well, we've seen Veep. Veep, yes. Yeah. Nevada. We, we know it's Nevada. And anytime <laughs> someone Cole. says Nevada, I always just want to like pop in and be like, Nevada. Nevada. Gary Cole style. So, uh, yeah, you're in Nevada. You're going to be, <laughs> that's that's where you're going to, if you want to study geology and seismic activity, that's a pretty good place to be. Sure. Yeah. So uh, some other characters that we have are um, Melvin, who's like the teen brat who's maybe been abandoned by his parents and is just kind of living there. There's really no explanation as to who he is exactly. 
apparently his parents live there, but they spend most of their time in Las Vegas and they oh, leave him there. That's so fair. that, that was sense. just in the IMDb trivia. I I think that comes from an earlier like a draft of the script. Fair enough. There's really no explanation as to why he's it, there. There is no explanation whatsoever. So there's a yeah. um there's a woman and her daughter. And uh, who and the daughter uh, is the the girl from Jurassic Park, Ariana Richards. Ariana Richards, uh, yeah. Mindy is the character's name. Mindy. We've got. Uh, she comes back. She comes back. Oh, in, does like, she one really? Sequels. We've yeah. got. We've got. Uh, is it Nestor who's just like the town weirdo? <laughs> There's just like this weird dude. There's only one town. Wait, look. Wh- what does Nestor? Because I also watched Tremors too. So. Mm. Yeah, then Nestor, we also have a a doctor and uh, his wife who are there. Um, oh yeah, building a house. Is Nestor to... the guy who climbs up the on the like He's... RV or whatever it is? Is he up on the RV or up on the on the pole when that's they, Edgar? They, like, find him. Oh, that's Edgar. Edgar. Yeah. Edgar. Right. Not right. Yeah. So uh, basically, Val and Earl are you know. They work together, they go do odd jobs, they do whatever has to get done, but they're, they have this plan to just, like, get out of town, and uh, it is as they are leaving, they've got their truck packed up, that weird things start happening. That's when they find <laughs> Edgar up on the pole, um, mm-hmm. dead. Hey, look at that guy. Well, that's one job I'd never do, working around electricity. Hey! Hold up. That's Edgar Deans. Come on. No, he only wears that one damn jacket. That's him, I'm telling you. Man, oh man, you sure must have been drunk this time. Edgar, get your butt down from there! Well, shit. Can't leave him up there. <laughs> Thank you, Edgar. You owe me on this one, you damned old booze hound. One of these days, you're gonna have to get your ass on a wagon and stay there. Jeez, it's not like I don't have better things to do than to climb towers and drag your hairy ass down. They have no idea what happened. Uh, they find the doctor who is building the house tells them that uh, he died from dehydration. Was it a heart attack, doctor? No. Died of dehydration. Thirst. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That takes a couple of days, doesn't it? Maybe even three or four. <laughs> you mean he sat up there three or four days? He sat up there and just died of thirst? Interesting. Wonder what happened there. Hmm, wonder if he was scared up that pole and too scared to come down. And, uh, yeah, it is it is a really bizarre monster movie that is actually movie. really... It's a B-movie that's really well done. And honestly, it's like they cover all their bases in a way that doesn't feel wacky. The science behind it is 
you know, like they don't necessarily feel the need to go into like the history behind the graboids until, of course, the fourth movie when they have the well, prequel. They show, uh, yeah, but and it's and the graboids, by the way, are these giant worms that have uh, these little mini creatures that are like tongues that come out to like grab people and bring them in so that the main part of it yeah. can eat them. Yeah, they're they're named. Walter Chang names them, and then there's a funny line in Tremors 2 where Fred Ward, who is he and Michael Gross are the only two returning cast members. Right. They talk about so Fred Ward is talking to um, the scientist that he's got a flirtation going on with, and he's telling her that, or she she asks who named them Graboids, and he goes, yeah, well. Walter Chang, you know, he, he owned this little shop, you know, he named them, then one ate him. Yeah, pretty much. No name. Huh. We discovered that we should name them. Walter, forget the damn name. Or suckoids. Oids. Oids. I like snakeoid. That's what I like. Graboid. That's it. Graboid. Jesus, Walter. We're going to be sorry. Don't give it a name. <laughs> and the delivery is like so many of, of the lines that Fred Ward has. The delivery he's great. is he's great. He almost feels like like I feel like his his character could almost be related to Kurt Russell's Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China. Like that yeah. line about where like where they're isolated out on, on the I think on the rock. And he's like, he's like, we can't get off this thing. That pisses me off. Yeah, <laughs> it just rem- it reminded me so much of of a, a Jack Burton delivery. Yeah, and I, it should also be mentioned that uh, there is the ever so slight like romance story between Val and Rhonda, Kevin Bacon and Rhonda, who's played by Finn Carter, uh, who's the the geological student, and. Uh, it's established at the beginning that he has this like very specific standard for the type of woman that he is interested in. You will have long blonde hair, big green eyes, world-class breasts, ass that won't quit, and legs that go all the way up. And then over the course of the movie, as uh, Rhonda is part of their gang and they're working really well together... They have this connection. Then at the end, they, you know, he finally gets the nerve to go actually approach her in a, in a way that has nothing to do with trying to get away from the Graboids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really have an opportunity. Up to Not really. Point. They were kind of busy. Although they were kind yeah. of on those rocks for a pretty long time. They have to build the relationship. Yeah. Know. So, plus, they, they didn't, well, you never know when a Graboid's going to jump out. What's going to well, happen? That's true. That's true. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a really fun movie. Uh, I did not watch any of the sequels or the brief television series. <laughs> there, there were supposed to be two. Right. There was supposed there was one that was, I think, 13 episodes and then got canceled. Then there yeah. was the they did a pilot with a series starring Kevin Bacon that and Fred Ward and Fred Ward that never 
I don't know. It like kept on bouncing like, around and got to like sci-fi and then eventually just got canned. Yep. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so I did watch Tremors 2. Aftershock. Right? I I thought it was a lot of fun. I kind of, I enjoyed it the as I enjoyed the, the first one. It, it takes place in Mexico where a oil refinery is being so uh, so Earl and um Michael Gross's character Bert yeah so Bert. Earl and Bert are both in Mexico or are they brought well, in as like specialists how does that so work out Earl is brought in as a specialist so they've and there's this really great cuz Tremors 2 came out in 1996 so there's a decent span of time between the two and it's established pretty early on that they were they were big news they were big celebrities for a short amount of time there is were there a newspaper these... montage there's not <laughs> <laughs> only during the ending credits uh so no there was but you see a newspaper clipping you see them okay. like on the cover of different like magazines, it's almost uh, similar to Ghostbusters, uh, yeah. and they show there's like there's a graboid video game, and apparently you get the idea that like the guy that the guys didn't ever get a lawyer or anything and didn't um. get. Any so everyone thinks they got rich off everything and they didn't. Earl's living yeah. in a trailer, and so he's getting offered all this money to come down to Mexico because this oil, this they're the graboids are attacking at the uh, the, in the oil fields, so they're is losing a, tons of money. Is there a political statement to be made? Is it an anti-fracking I, story before that was that was big news? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Well, a, a in in a in a way that when you're drilling into the earth's surface, you are disrupting an ecosystem. Yeah. Even though it's subterranean, it's an ecosystem and the tra- the the premise of the the graboids really is similar to the whole concept behind the the new Kong Godzilla uh-huh. monster verse, which which leads into one of my spec speculatory ideas. Ooh, okay, I because I, I, I see where this trying, is going. I'm thinking I'm like, well, what can you do that hasn't been done? Because they've they've done all these sequels. They did a prequel. They, oh, I've got an idea. Oh, I'm sure you do. I I but when you and well, and that's when you think to yourself when you sit there and you think to yourself what could you do that hasn't be, been done? That's when you start to think of the things that you could do that, that haven't been done. And so, so one of those things was, hey, why not just let's fold them into that whole franchise and bring Imagine you're going to see Kong versus Godzilla or whatever, if they continue to do those movies and add more. And just at the end of like, you've got like Mothra coming in and at the end of the, at the end of this climactic battle, out of the side of this mountain comes a graboid and it just snatches <laughs> Mothra and and Kong and Godzilla are just like, what the hell was that? And like Michael Gross standing on the top of a cliff with a howitzer. Yeah. <laughs> just like blasting away. 
So uh, that that was one of my ideas. My other, if I may, you may, if, if I may, launch into my my uh, the other ideas. the The other one was I was like, man, I would love to see an Alien versus Predator versus Graboid, but <laughs> it was really only because Alien versus Predator was on my brain, brief tangent, that uh, it came up in in class the other day. Huh. I we're I'm teaching uh, Raisin in the Sun to my language arts classes, and I was talking about there there was a 1989 production with Danny Glover, and one of my kids like the hand shoots up. And goes, Danny Glover isn't isn't that the only actor to get killed by both a predator and an alien in the movies? And I was like, I don't think Danny Glover ever got killed by an alien. No, right. And I don't recall if he got killed by the Predator. I'm pretty sure he survived in Predator 2. Yeah, I wonder but who he might have been thinking of. I don't I don't know yeah. different Danny Glover. I guess I was thinking about that. I was thinking and then my my other my Well, other just thought. just real quick, well, before oh. we move on to something else. Uh it's interesting because the tremors sense people's presence by uh vibrations in the earth, whether it's you know, your voice causing it or walking or something like that. Uh, and Predator, it's all through heat. It's all through temperature. So uh, what a great combo. Oh, wow. <laughs> like the Predator riding the uh, the thing, like Gina Davis riding the sandworm at the end of Beetlejuice. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, and then I was like... <laughs> I was like, what if you just went in a totally different direction? Like, I want to see Guillermo del Toro's Tremors. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we do have so many amazing directors right now who really know how to handle subtle but effective crazy visual effects. Yeah. Yeah, and, so and, that's that and was I, just one of my one of the people that I thought of. I, yeah. What are you, what are you thinking about there? All right, Dan. Tremors is uh, a property of Universal. So why isn't there a Universal Studios theme park attraction for Tremors? They have one for <laughs> Waterworld. <laughs> Hold on a second. What? So, um, I little behind the scenes here. So John has yet to hear the intro that that you've all heard at the beginning of the episode in which New York Times critic Vincent Canby is quoted as saying that Tremors is the type of movie that is made by Universal Studios just so that they could have a movie for people to see getting made when they for tourists to see. Oh, getting that's made. really funny. So well, no, I don't suggestion is that the actual making of Tremors yeah, is the that's attraction. really that's a really funny comment to make. <laughs> no, because it's like I don't know if they still have it, but there's like the Water World, you know, stage show, and I know that you know, and and talking about movies that have had lasting effects, Water World is interesting because people talk about it. But I don't think they're talking about it. They're not talking about it because it's a good movie. They're talking about it because we've been reminding them about it because of things like the attraction at Universal Studios or it's just if people want to talk about someone drinking their own pee. What's up? Either or. Yes. Uh, and the other, sorry, the other tie-in to, to your idea here is in Tremors 2, the new, Fred Ward's new sidekick who's like this, like, 
super fan, mm-hmm. excuse me, of Val and Earl, it, his idea is to open a theme park. Oh no way! With and it like <laughs> as, and and it's funny. Well, then it's there even are more dur- perfect. Well, after this one sequence where like they get dragged by a graboid, like the graboid has a chain that's attached to their pickup and it pulls them. And after the whole sequence is done, he goes, that's the first ride in the amusement park. Oh my God. (laughs) So, so John, you're not alone in thinking about this. Yeah. I mean, so the Waterworld one, it's a stage show and it has stunt men or stunt performers doing a whole like scene and it's like, yeah, that would totally be perfect for Tremors. You have like an animatronic graboid come out and you have your stunt performers doing their thing. And I don't know. Don't you think like a ride, like a th- almost like a 3D attraction, like a I know I'm, I'm referencing. I know there's a new Star Tours that's uh-huh. been updated. But I'm thinking of that type of thing where, like, either you are riding something like you're chasing a graboid and right. you're, like, in the pickup and you're uh, rattling around and everything. Or you, like, are the graboid. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you're, huh. go- you're going underground. You're going. Well, yeah, I mean, it's this is Tremors is such an interesting one to be focusing on because there are plenty of sequels. There is a prequel. There are, you know, TV series, multiple, based on it, Um, one of which was going... No, one of which is a continuation with Val's character, but I I don't know. Have there been any straight reboots of it or remakes of it? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean that no. that could happen, and like you were saying, with somebody like Guillermo del Toro or something that's a little bit more dark. But also, I feel like Nevada in the middle of the day is, in its own way, so perfect for a movie like this that you know you wouldn't want it to be too ominous and creepy in in the nighttime. I mean, there are nighttime scenes, like when they get the doctor and the wife, but you know, it's mostly daytime. Another, another idea and i i don't maybe this was something they've touched upon in some of the sequels but or the prequel what if you had a like a tremors set around the time of the nuclear testing in new mexico Uh uh-huh what if you said because that was another thing i was thinking i was like what if you just took like the kind of the concept of tremors and you rebooted it, but you did something almost like they did with with like they've done with Predator, uh-huh. and just give it a new a new setting. And I mean, it's the formula of a monster movie is is usually pretty simple. Monster shows up, people figure out how to stop it. Right. Well, and what's interesting about the graboids is that. Well, you, you'll never know what their motive really is or, you know, what drives them aside from just, like, hunger. I don't know. Well, and then they also ev- – there's evolutions of them because in part two, you have the Shriekers. Oh, yeah. In part yeah. three, you have the Ass Blasters. The Ass Blasters? I know there's one where they fly. I think that might be the Ass Blasters. I – I could be mistaken. I have not necessarily followed up. <laughs> yeah, it would have been impossible for us to watch all of these movies and the yes, TV show. Yes. Yeah. 
There, there has not yet been a musical. Broadway which I think is or fine. other. I think, I, although I would suggest with the success of King Kong on Broadway. Well, what, what comes next? Yeah, next I, I don't know. I, I think that something like King Kong, because King Kong isn't a subterranean creature. There's not as much that you can do on John, stage. Uh, on stage with the magic of theater, you can do anything. <laughs> okay? Fine. Get All Julie right. Taymor. Call Julie well, Taymor. Of course Look we're at getting what Taymor. she did with the Lion Jeez. King. Yeah. Yes. Don't look at what she did with Spider-Man. Look at what she did with the Lion King. And yeah. Get, <laughs> call Julie Taymor. Get her and her her staff working on a tremor, a graboid puppet, and see what Kevin Bacon is doing. Yeah, uh, you know he'd be down for it. I mean, I he clearly was interested in doing the TV series, and uh, I read in one of the things. I don't know if it was IMDb or Wikipedia or something, but like. When he first signed on to do this, he was, like, kicking himself, saying, like, you know, mm-hmm. why did I agree to do this stupid monster movie? And then went on saying that he had it was the best time he ever had making a movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. Why yeah. would you not do Tremors on Broadway? I don't know, Dan. I mean, like, the Broadway of of the 21st century is the the multiplex of the 1990s so <laughs> like okay well, do you legally speaking legally of blonde, speaking of others. the speaking of the multiplex of the 1990s do you remember uh when you first saw tremors nice segue thank no, you i don't i it, it was a, a, possibly a blockbuster night it could have been <laughs> something i taped off hbo and just watched <laughs> Like a random afternoon. I don't know. I have no right. Do you do you remember when you saw it for the first time? Yeah, it was the other day when I it watched the it other for day. this podcast. That was the first time that, that was that was the first time you had seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Yeah. I don't remember. And I don't I, I didn't remember that much about it mm-hmm. per se. I never I, I didn't like it enough to really ever see it again up until recently, but I'm glad I did. Well, you know, watching it the other day, and I think that I never saw it before because I always just assumed that it was going to be a cheesy, schlocky monster movie, which it is, but I didn't expect that it was going to be so engaging and funny and weird in a way that it knows it's weird. Yes. Yeah, and uh, not that they sacrificed, you know the scares in favor of the weird, because there certainly are some scares to it. And uh, like when I I think it might've been, yeah. When Kevin Bacon is like going to go get the, um, uh, like the, the tractor or whatever it is that he's getting towards the end. And the graboid like finds where he is and he's standing very still and the graboids out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And you see like the graboid head thing almost getting his feet. Yeah. That's like really intense. It, there, there's some intense moments. Well, you know, yeah. we've got we we've got a we've got a solid hand behind the camera here. We've got Ron Underwood who would go on his next 
feature film would be City Slickers. Is that right? This. How so, about that? Yeah. Man who knows that we've got some horseback uh, riding in this. We do. Little, we do. Little, little horseback riding. So <laughs> something that Mr. Underwood would be revisiting with City Slickers. <laughs> A lot of dust. A lot of dust. No horses, <laughs> no calves, some no cowboy hats. Uh, Norman, yeah, you know it's it's a really fun movie, and I'm glad that I was forced to watch it for this podcast. Now, are what what do you think the odds are that you'll check out any of the other zero percent? I would zero. Yeah, if Adam Sandler's character and, and Uncut Gems had to place a bet on me seeing any of these movies, oh wow, I'd have okay, to say. So- <laughs> was that a snub? I haven't seen Uncut Gems. Was that a uh, snub? For him or for the movie? In, in in general. I think that he deserved maybe to be nominated, but not to win. And the movie was rightfully not nominated. Okay. All right. I'll I'll get back to you on that That's, once I, uh, that once said. I catch it. That said, I think it's one that people are going to be bringing up for a long time. Okay. So good to know. It falls into a gray area for me. Okay. All right. Good to know. I plan on checking it out. Uh, oh, also, and another before we before we sign off, a uh, I I'm looking forward to filling you in. We are going to see Bad Boys for Life. So oh. in the sequel. In in the realm of sequels, we've got Bad Boys for Life, which somewhere so far I think is at like a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like fresh. Okay. So all right. Um, so who knows? We'll find out. Yeah. John, anything? Well, I'm going to be going to see. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm going to be seeing the Oregon Symphony perform along with the film Ghostbusters, and uh, that's Very that's an exciting. area that we haven't touched upon is maybe some of these movies are also worthy of a, a symphony accompaniment treatment. Ooh. Maybe Ooh. that'll come up in the future. We'll see. Interesting. That's an interesting way we could go. Well, we'll see if it comes, if it comes up for our next episode, because I don't, yeah, I don't, qu- please yeah, go, yes. go on. No, no, no You go wanted on. to say, Yeah. John no, has gonna, no idea. I was gonna go segue into what I what I we were talking about doing, but I don't know if it's gonna be what you are intending to say. Um, it, I don't think it is. Okay, so, go on. Uh, so <laughs> next week we are sorry. Next episode we will be talking about 1991's The Rocketeer. We sure will. Yeah, so excited to check. <laughs> Glad that I one didn't out. go I, with my segue. Wouldn't have made sense. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, I'll give you the back. John and I were talking earlier, and we were between this and something else. And I told him I was like, yeah, something else decision. that something else that had, oh. and I believe still has a theme park attraction. Oh, okay. It, I yeah. was not aware aware of that. So good to know. But I look forward to uh, to see the Rocketeer. All right, I look forward to seeing the Rocketeer again. I haven't for seen the it in forever. Time. And I, I, I'm gonna a little little teaser. 
I remember where I saw it. You know, I bet if I had to come up with it, like, forced at gunpoint, like, you know, I, I think that maybe I'd be able to conjure up a memory. I know I saw it in the theater. That's all I know. Anyway, okay, we'll talk about that you next might have, time. We might have seen it together. I don't know. So, good journey, John. Good journey.